Welcome back. Um, if you've been with me uh, to date, you'll know that uh, we're continuing our tour of the seven C's of consulting. Uh, in this episode, we're, we're moving on um, from the, the client focus to the next stage, which is called clarify. And the focus of this session is around clarifying the problem. I have a really nice quote uh, to start with. I found on my research, I came across Russell L. Acoff, a great writer and one of the founders of systems thinking. So listen to this. He says, successful problem solving requires finding the right solution to the right problem. We fail more often because we solve the wrong problem than because we get to the wrong solution to the right problem. If as consultants then, our role is to solve client problems, then clear definition up front is really important to create the initial conditions uh, for success. The thing is that people, in my experience, really struggle uh, with this. Um, you know, problem definition becomes just a roadblock that teams don't seem to get past for, for a long time. And, and why is that? Well, I think just simply think of a problem as a situation requiring corrective action. So the definition, a problem definition at core, is merely a clear and specific summary of the current state and, and why it's important to do something. However, as I said, people find this hard to do. And I think the real issue and the real difficulty is summarizing the current state without implying the solution or any solution. And, um, and this happens all the time. You know, we, we sometimes just can't hold back our analysis and our solution thinking. We, we just want to jump to the answer. You know, as well as that, when I'm interacting with clients and, and, and they come to me and say, Chris, can you help with this? I say, help with what? They then give me a solution. You know, can you help me um, change the culture uh, towards uh, this particular outcome? And that, then you need to unpick that and, and understand to what problem is changing the culture a solution. Or when you are um, presented with a problem, you be careful because sometimes the problem that's presented to you is, is not really the problem where the solution would create greatest value. And this means that to clarify the problem, we're going to have to work on two conversations simultaneously. So the first is our conversation with ourselves in the internal conversation that's going on in the background. We have to discipline ourselves to focus on understanding the problem and, and working with that, holding back our desire to jump to solution, holding back our desires you know, to show how smart and experienced we are with the, the wealth of solutions that you know, immediately spring to mind. So one conversation with ourselves 
And the other conversation is you know, with our client, with our stakeholder, listening really actively, uh, listening hard, and listening for certain things. So what do I mean by that? Listening um, for um, a solution request being presented to us. So it's not even yet, we don't hear the problem, we just hear what, what somebody wants. Secondly, and people are very smart at giving you um, solutions in disguise. So you'll hear them say, we really need you know, improved reconciliation systems, or we really need uh, better management information here. So my problem is I lack the information uh, that I need to manage this situation. So when you hear um, we need, there is a need for, or there is a lack of, or we don't have, whatever follows is generally going to imply the solution. So I would call that a solution in disguise. And it gets worse. People, when they're you know, feeling pain, when they're in a situation and need help, will often throw at you a whole range of deletions, generalizations, and distortions. A deletion, for instance, somebody would say, you know, this is just too slow. Um, too slow for what? Too slow under what circumstances? No, you're, you're just told it's, it's too slow. It's not good enough. Or an example of a generalization would be, you know, no one can use this. Or since you gave me that last software update, no one can do their job anymore. So you're hearing those general statements about everyone does this. We all have that. Um, again, you know, probing for, um, you know, what people at what times, you know, what is actually happening, trying to drill down um, to the facts. And an example of a distortion would be, you know, ascribing an interpretation to a situation. The reason that things, you know, fail uh, in production is because our, our engineers are just sloppy in their testing. So, you know, where is the problem in that? Now, to counter this, I've learned um, to apply um, two distinctions to generate uh, more effective and more productive consulting conversations to help clarify the problem. And the first of these distinctions is to understand and to hear the difference between an assessment and an assertion. So when you hear an assessment, it will always be a judgment or an opinion relative to uh, a standard in the background. So somebody might say something along the lines of, um, you know, the last Bond movie, you know, was, was really, I think, one of the best ever. You know, and that's a fact. Only it isn't a fact. It's, um, it's an assessment based on some standard of, of what makes for that individual a good movie or a, or a bad movie. So what would an assertion be then? An assertion would be a statement that can be grounded in fact. So if I was going to talk about the last Bond movie, if I was to say to you, you know, according to uh, the Wall Street Journal, um, on the day of its release, the latest uh, Bond movie took over $5 million, $500 million, which makes it you know, far and away the, the highest grossing 
movie of that franchise. So there's a statement there which can be grounded in fact. And you can hear the difference between an assessment and an assertion. What we're going to try and do then is to get behind an assessment, to hear it's a judgment, and just ask more questions to reveal what is standard in the background and then what is the basis for the claim being made. The other critical and associated distinction is to be able to separate the story from the facts. So people, when they're explaining a situation to you, will very quickly add their interpretation and build up a, you know, a whole story about the situation. But that story for them becomes the truth. So you might have somebody coming out of a meeting saying, well, that, that just went terribly. I gave them uh, my idea and my proposal and you know, they, they just hated it. This, this isn't going to go anywhere. To which you might think, Thank you. Okay, thank you for sharing. Just tell me a little bit more about, um, about that situation. You know, what are the words those people used? Well, when I was you know, showing that this was an innovation, they, they started to ask me all sorts of questions about how could I be sure it was going to work and how, you know, where had it been done elsewhere, you know, which was just a sign that they were, you know, they were going to block this. And again, you can hear the story starting to to, to build itself up. So you just relentlessly go back to, to say, just tell me again, you know, what are the words? Who said what? What words did they use? It might be then possible to stand back from those words and say, you know, you don't have to interpret it that way. Perhaps they were just intrigued by your idea and interested uh, and wanting to know more. So as you unpick the story from the facts, there are an infinite number of interpretations of a situation, but only, you know, only one set of facts. And if we need to understand what the problem really is, then it's, you know, we need to strip away the interpretation of the story. And then we can say, fine, you know, this is the information uh, available to us to work with. As we work with these skills, then, what we're aiming to clarify is um, a straightforward summary of the current situation that does not imply a solution, um, which can be evidenced by whatever facts are available at the time, and gives us some indication of why you know, corrective action would be desirable in the situation. And it is a real skill to practice playing that back in the conversation and after the conversation, writing it down and saying, this looks like, you know, the first draft statement of the problem. And it is a real skill. As I've said in my experience, it, it's rarely done well. However, when it is done well, it can have huge value. As we said at the outset, it's the initial uh, conditions. It's the first step on your, your double diamond uh, road to design thinking, to problem solving, and um, just getting this step right, and then validating that this is a real problem that has real value associated with the solution, can avoid a huge amount of waste. Um, history is full of projects that run away where literally millions of dollars are spent, and at some point, somebody says, says stop, you know, is this, 
is this really a problem? How did we get into this? How did we start? And then people try and find the statement of the problem and, um, you know, guess what? Uh, it often just doesn't exist. By the way, as I indicated just then in talking about the double diamond approach to problem solving, having defined the problem, the next step is, is not yet to solve it. The next step is to research the problem and to validate it. Is this a real problem that real people have? Um, go and research the problem and validate it. So enter into some primary research and at the same time secondary research to see if other people aren't working on the same problem at the same time, or if it um, you know, hasn't been identified and solved uh, before. So there's more work uh, to do uh, before we get to the point everyone wants to get to, which is having a shiny new solution to share. So yes, this can be hard to do, and yes, it can feel time consuming, particularly when you or other people are putting you under pressure to, um, you know, start working on the solution. Um, but just let me close uh, almost as I started, just a, a couple more quotations to share, which I like. Charles Kettering, a problem well stated is a problem half solved. So the time you're putting in uh, to clarifying the problem is actually uh, the first half of the solution. You might want to look at it that way. And secondly, you know, attributed to Albert Einstein, if I only had one hour to save the world, I'd spend 55 minutes defining the problem and only five minutes finding the solution. So thank you um, for your attention. I hope this subject is, is useful and interesting um, to you. Um, next time, we're going to be looking at something that, that is even harder, and that is clarifying the outcome. So hopefully, uh, we'll meet again then. Uh, till next time, thank you. This is Chris.